In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. John 14, verse 6. This goes a whole lot further than seeing the Father through the Son, you know, in a family resemblance sort of way. Jesus is revealing himself as God. And this verse from John's Gospel is fact. I grew up with this expression of truth. My children grew up with it. Yet I'm hearing in the churches and on the lips of Christians voices of tolerance, declarations of no absolutes. Translated in tolerance speak, this verse becomes, I may be the way and the truth and the life for some. If you choose to, you can come to the Father through me. If not, there are other ways. Beware of this kind of teaching, say the writers of the New Testament. It leads to heresy and confusion. There have to be absolutes, and this is one. Jesus is the only way to heaven for all of us. Other faiths may be respected and valid, but none teach that Jesus is the only way. I've been involved with a group of people in discussions at our church and They've got teachers, priests, reverends, and when they're asked what's happened to the teaching that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the tolerance meter gets switched on, and people want to be politically correct. No one wants to tell their Muslim neighbor or their New Age yoga instructor that their way is all well and good, but our way is the way. I know it sounds pompous, but Jesus made the statement without any guile. He stated it as a fact. The need for sacrificing ended when he was sent by his father to die for all our sins, past, present and future. Yet we, instead of sharing this awesome news that's not the person who does the salvific work but God, we pussyfoot around and say non-Christian faiths are valid. There are other ways to heaven. John says not. Jesus says not. God says not. Love everyone, meet them where they are, but please don't forget to tell them the good news. It's not an exclusive club. It's for all who will hear. And how can they hear unless we tell? Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. My guest this week is Sabrina Justison, a homeschooling mum with bling and flair who gets involved in theatre whenever she can. She's also a wordsmith and teaches literature and Latin and isn't afraid of the camera. Stay tuned to find out more. I'll be excerpting from my book, saying goodbye to my filmmaking son and generally bringing you up to speed. My fruit tart is on offer this afternoon and a good strong cup of tea to wash it down with. So go on, make yourself comfy while I talk to you about my antics on an island in the North Sea. There's some good news this week. Um, Robin Gibb, who miraculously came out of his coma a couple of weeks ago, is still 
conscious and um, getting better. After we'd attended his Titanic Requiem, we read in the newspaper that his family, Duina, his wife, RJ Spencer and Melissa, his children, sang songs and played his favorite music to him, and brain activity was registered, and they gradually brought him back. He had instructed his doctors to fight aggressively for his life, and despite malnutrition, pneumonia, brain swelling, liver failure, and the inability to swallow or breathe alone, he's come through not only because of the medical treatments, but because of his family loving him back to life. And I'll be talking more about the importance of relationships as the show unfolds, so listen up. But first, I'm going to go to my book excerpt. It's um, from chapter 21, entitled The Outside Draws In. I've realized that perhaps my girls won't follow in my boys' footsteps, and I'm learning to be okay with that and modify my homeschool to accommodate their unique needs. With Big Brother out of the house bright and early on his college mornings, we whipped out math. Everyone needs to know how to decipher those little symbols and work a word problem. And like Latin and declensions, it helps with logical thinking. I would then read from the read aloud book we'd chosen. All the children were always welcome to this. And Simon would join us on his non-college days, reluctant to completely sever ties with his alma mater. Then we ladies went off to jazzercise, I to work out, the girls to work as babysitters. By 11 o'clock, the world was ours, and we could do whatever we wanted to for the rest of the day. We went on field trips like the Dallas Morning News and the Mary Kay Factory. We went in the mornings to see plays like Junie B. Jones and The Secret Garden. We made lunch our main meal of the day since our principal dad was home all the time now. And we decided that lunch was the best time to eat a large meal. After lunch, we'd say some more prayers, usually a liturgical service. And in the afternoons, we studied history, an in-depth look at World War II, girls' choice, classical poetry, which we also memorized and recited, and writing, incorporating grammar, structure, and fluency into this creative outlet. Happily and not utterly coincidentally, these were subjects I, too, enjoyed. I stumbled across a piece of wisdom once, either in a book or overheard at a grocery store checkout. I can't remember. But it said, don't ever do anything with your children that you don't enjoy doing yourself. This was good advice for me, which I took without permission and found to be invaluable during my years as a wife, mother and homeschooler. It sounds frightfully selfish, but really what it boiled down to was looking after myself. I was it for 24-7 and wouldn't last long at pursuits that really didn't suit my personality. It didn't mean the girls were never able to do what they loved. For the most part, we were compatible. But what about things my girls wanted to do that I disliked? There weren't many of those, but when we came across something like swimming or dress up, I found mothers and teachers who loved what I didn't, and we either exchanged skills or I just forked over the cash. Science wasn't my forte. I enjoyed it, but somehow it was always the last thing on the list of school subjects and got short shrift. This had to come to an end when my oldest proclaimed his desire to be an astronaut years ago. At the time, chemistry and physics only showed up on lists as spelling words, so I sought experts to tutor my sons. The co-op was made up of mothers who also taught their children at home and occurred once a week. 
I promptly took science off the back burner and slotted it into our daily schedule. I was the go-to person between classes, so I had to know what they were learning in order to be able to answer their questions or help them with problems. Consequently, I learned a great deal. Now that Simon was away from the house for a few hours each week, the girls decided following in their brother's footsteps may very well work for them too. Although by now I was quite a whiz at moles and kinetic energy and could have taught the biology and chemistry at home. Once a week, I dropped them off at the host church on the same road as our house and picked them up two hours later. For the first time, they were surrounded by peers and were conscious about being called upon in class, especially if they were struck dumb by the question. This was the kind of pressure they hadn't experienced at home. Who cares if you know the answer or not around siblings? Accountability for this class meant that, miraculously, the assigned work was completed on time each week without a lot of prodding from me. Unless I wanted to go into the classroom to observe the numerous experiments conducted each semester, I was off the hook. I did poke my head around the door during the latter end of the course when dissections were being conducted. We all found these to be the highlight of the sessions. And Malia, my youngest, brought home a couple of extra frogs to work on in the comfort of her home kitchen laboratory. When I picked them up from the co-op, as with all school-aged children, the only things I heard about in the car had to do with the other students in the class. You should have seen Alex's hair, Mum. It was all in his eyes, and the teacher, Miss Barrett, kept having to tell him to pin it back, which he wouldn't, of course. Paris chimed in with, oh, and did you see Rob? He was sitting over there in the corner reading his comic the whole time, and they proceed to tell me about this highly unsociable boy who showed up in body only. Probably because his mum makes him, they giggled. They also talked about the other girls whom they sat next to and how unfair it was to have to move around the class each week and not be allowed to always sit in the same spot next to the same friends. I can see the prudence in this strategy as the students grew comfortable with one another, so the noise level of inattentiveness would rise and changing seats every week would help with that. My daughters didn't see the point. I had to sit in the back next to Leslie again, who knows all the answers, and Rob, who reads his comic under the desk. It was boring. How was it boring, I asked. They wouldn't talk about anyone in the class or giggle if someone made a mistake. I'm so glad that for the rest of the week they were with me at home. Not that I minded the social aspect of the excursion, but I could see that they were having a crash course in disrespect. Our school day was officially declared over when the first of our three pairs of eyelids began to droop during the reading sessions in the afternoon. Then we'd give in to the sleepmeister and rediscover the energising pleasure of the afternoon nap, another great learning moment spent together. Then Simon met a girl. Someone a year younger than he and still at public school, his faithful attendants who lived for every moment they got him at home were inched ever closer into the shadows. Suddenly they were having to share him with someone who didn't have the last name as us. His charms were being requested elsewhere. And while he did come home from college daily to be loved and adored by his sisters, his, the appearance of a girlfriend meant he now came home to change, eat and rush out again. Paris and Malia were left disappointed and curious. Through his girlfriend, Simon met a lot of young people who enjoyed outdoor activities. This was right up his street. On top of the outdoor sports, he flung himself completely into the high school senior year experience with the guidance and encouragement of his girlfriend. 
She invited him to cotillion, homecoming and prom, and together he and I put together all the associated paraphernalia, the clothes and the corsages. And up until now, the public school had been strongly discouraged at Wildflower Academy. Its academic structure and social activities had not been allowed to encroach on my hallowed walls. Now here I was with the least social of my children, caught up in the world of parties, dancing, limos and friends in their final year of school, public school. This turned into quite a lovely time, really, because I never could have organised anything so perfect to bring my quiet son out of his shell to better equip him for a four-year college. He and his girlfriend applied to and were accepted at Texas A&M, and they would go on to spend a very happy two years at College Station. But I'm getting ahead of myself since I know the story. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Booyah! That's the word uttered when you know you have the upper hand. Or you're the winner. Well, now we have the Booyah Radio Hour with Martin Brassi. Tuesdays at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Martin's show is all about helping speakers and authors find their niche, create their brand, and achieve massive success. Each week, Martin will interview guests from around the world who have achieved tremendous success as speakers and authors. You'll find out who they are, what they do, and how you can follow in their footsteps to achieve incredible results. Guests will come from around the world of business, entertainment, finance, the arts, and sciences. Nothing is off topic. No subject too taboo. We'll share valuable information as well as huge laughs as we discover the ups and downs of being a successful speaker and author. The Booyah Radio Hour with Martin Pressey. Tuesdays at 9, 8 central on Togedat.com. Get ready to laugh along with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Allie Lopreet. Friday evenings at 6, 5 central on Togedat.com. This is a truly realistic, no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is method that will have you laughing and crying, surviving while struggling, and hammering away at the hardships as you travel through the greatest journey of your life. Get empowered by joining thousands of other parents who have also decided to take a leap of faith into a double career with longer hours and half the pay simply because of the love they have for their children. Together, we are rebuilding a new economy that will support us rather than enslave us. Never again will we have to choose between raising our children and earning to provide for them. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. For more on Allie and her success, check out her website, OurMilkMoney.com. So come get empowered with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Allie Lopreet. Friday afternoons at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm back, and my guest this week is Sabrina Justison, a playwright and a singer-songwriter who has taught fine arts as well as literature, writing, and Latin. This is a homeschooling mom who is after my own heart. She runs annual drama camp one-week intensives and is a wordsmith who enjoys helping people understand the vision and mission of an organization or event. 
Sabrina's also helped to create an innovative homeschool help support site called Seven Sisters, where there are blogs, videos, and vlogs, and many other resources for the busy, set-in-their-ways, rookie or old-hand homeschoolers. We're going to be talking about her life, theatre, of course, and her views on all things homeschool. Welcome to my show, Sabrina. Hi, Vivian. It's nice to be here. Well, how are you? Do you have your coffee in hand? Oh, I most certainly do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. You know, since I've been here, we've discovered the French press, which they call cafetiere here, which is very much posher than just plain French press. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, I, I just, I start with my herb tea in the morning and then I sort of write for a while and think, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll just do another little bit and then I'll get my coffee. And I kind of use it as my little treat and I just have my little cafetiere coffee at some time during the afternoon and, hmm, I'm in heaven. It is wonderful stuff, no doubt. Yeah, and my daughter works for a coffee shop, so she gets some really good coffees. So, <laughs> yeah, that really helps too. And the coffee here, you know, I found in the supermarket here you can get um, – and uh, like a five, which is a really, really bold coffee. And in America, all I could ever find, unless I was going to pay for a huge amount, you know, pay huge amounts of money, was just a three. And so mm. it's nice here that we have this European sort of feel to um, the strength of the coffee. I think I'm just used to really strong coffee now. I'll, I'll have a shot when I come to, back to America, I'm sure. I think this has just given me yet another reason that I need to travel internationally because yeah. the stronger yeah, the coffee, well, the better and... I want to travel. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, and the cheese. You just can't beat the cheese here. Mm. If you like (laughs) cheese, oh, my gosh. It's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Well, Sabrina, welcome to my show. And um, we're going to get on and um, talk um, about something that we both love, which is theatre. And sometimes I think that in homeschool circles, circles, theatre is kind of looked upon as well, not quite as wholesome um, an activity for your young children, not necessarily young, young, but maybe your teenagers, um, mm-hmm. to be involved in. But we haven't found, we didn't find that as a family. We found that we could all do it as a family and we could go out and a lot of people would look at us and they would go, wow, you are the most amazing family because you all work <laughs> together. You don't seem to be at each other's throats all the time, and your homeschoolers right. as well. I mean, they really were surprised when yeah. they found out that we homeschooled. And so I thought that we added a lot to the um, theatrical community just by our family lifestyle and, and, and you know, how we um, communicated and, and um, worked together as a family. So tell Absolutely. me, how, yeah, how did you become involved in theatre? Well, I first became involved in theater when I was young, and I, you know, had stars in my eyes and wanted to sing and act, and um, and I found that it was not a very good environment. And I had I was raised in a Christian home, and I was involved in lots of community theater, and then kind of moved on to dinner theater, and and it was fun, but I definitely had to be on guard, or things were going to be compromised. You know, it was it was um, not something that I was doing with my family; I was by myself, mm-hmm. and. Um, but then I, I married fairly young and started my family, and so I just sort of laid aside the stage for many years. And um, I came back to it in the role of, of directing when I had kids uh, 10, 11, 12 years old that I was working with in a homeschool choir who started mm-hmm. saying, why don't you do something with drama? You should, you should start a drama club. And I saw myself in their eyes. You know, I saw that 
desire for that fun, and I saw talent, and I saw enthusiasm. Um, and honestly, I just didn't have the time to start a drama club, and it wasn't that appealing to me anyway. I liked to do productions. I didn't want to just have a club, you know? Um, and I'm not downplaying the importance of drama clubs, but that wasn't where my heart was. And uh, so I, I prayed about was there a way that I could begin to do something with drama for homeschoolers? And that was where the um, idea of a drama camp intensive came from. And so we began producing a play in a week, and we would work together all day long every day. And by the end of the week, we would have a production ready. So that appealed to my desire to do um, a full production rather than just play theater games in in the format of a club. Mm -hmm. And it also then got some of my students um, equipped and ready to then begin being involved in community theater um, and other opportunities like that, but with with a, a foundation laid of um, an attitude of excellence toward their craft, but also a heart that was still looking to um, to be living their lives in in obedience to the scripture and with integrity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, in these intensives that you do, your one-week intensives, do you in, does that include the sets and costumes and the makeup? It includes as much of that as we absolutely have to have or as much as someone's parents are able to help with. Because mm-hmm. it's a one-week, um, actually this year we're expanding to two weeks because I finally reached a point where I have older students who want something even more in-depth. But... Um, we're really limited, and we are using borrowed space from an area church. So we have what I call a minimalist approach to sets, and we use what we absolutely have to have, and we allow the, the actors to create the environment with, with excellence in what they are doing. And we have found that the audience is very, very willing to go along with us and to imagine if we tell them that this is a park, they will believe us, even if there's nothing there to indicate it but a bench. You know, if we have no trees that's okay. And so we've chosen to go that route rather than making the, what I think is the mistake of putting a lot of time and effort into cardboard sets that look like cardboard. Um, If we don't have that type of environment, then that's okay. The story is what is so captivating. When you see um, well-done theater, it's the story and the characters. And so that's where we've chosen to focus our efforts. Well, this week I had my oldest son visiting uh, from America and he wanted to go and see the Globe Theatre. Mm. So so off we went. And I, I, if I'd ever been there before, I think I went to the theatre in Stratford-on-Avon when I was young for, on a school group, but, you know, like with everything else. And you talk a little bit about this. You go somewhere on an educational trip and I, I'd have these forms that I'd have to answer as I'm going around and it just took oh. all the enjoyment out of what yes. I was doing. So I had no memory of, of going there. And so we went to the Globe and we were shown around and they and they said that in Shakespeare's time, well, all the plays during that time were the telling of the story. So really there wasn't, wasn't a lot of set or scenery done. And in fact, um, the nobility s- sat facing out above the stage towards the audience because their priority was to be seen by Mm. everybody else. And they couldn't even see the stage. Well, they could see the back half, you know, the the backs of the people and just the front part of the stage. But they could hear everything that was going on. And so that was the main thing was just being able to hear the story. And so what you're saying is, is so true that as long as 
there's, there's a good story and there's a good script and it can be presented in um, a confident and, and professional manner, then that's, you know, that, that's, that's most of what the play is. Everything else can be imagined. Well, that is just incredibly validating to know that Shakespeare was following my own personal model. Yeah. It just makes me feel so much better about myself. Yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, just <laughs> incredible. And, in fact, my, um, I'm my younger son is extremely shy, but he went through all the theater with us and ended up doing roles on stage because he was such a good looker and presented himself so well. The directors just wanted him. And he went on to happily go and give wildlife talks. He works at a zoo and does um, keeper talks now. And he said, you know, without that theater training, I would not have been able to stand up confidently and speak publicly the way I I that is one of the cries of my heart, and that is one of the things that I am so passionate about as a reason for doing drama with homeschoolers. I have had kids from every spot on the spectrum, whether they you know, were, were born to be in the spotlight or whether they are so very shy that it's painful to even show up. You know? mm-hmm. And every one of them, if they are given a safe, encouraging environment where they're told what it is that they actually need to do, and then they're able to practice it with lots of encouragement, Oh, to just watch their confidence grow, and they take that into job interviews, and they take it into sharing their testimony for the gospel, and they take it into proposing to their future spouse someday, mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. confidence to be equipped to um, articulately stand up in front of someone and, and speak what's in your heart is just a life skill. And so whether a child is really interested in pursuing fine arts or not, I think that it is a tremendous gift when we give our homeschoolers that that equipping. Well, absolutely. And another subject that you teach Latin, my children said, Mom, it's not even spoken anywhere. Why are we learning Latin? <laughs> well, again, my oldest son and I, it was such a joy to have him here because they, we've been coming to England all through their lifetime. But it's been my husband and I have been going to museums and art galleries and to castles. And, and they've been coming along with us. But this time, he actually was appreciating everywhere he went. And we went to St. Paul's Cathedral, and he read this tombstone. And we were reading it in Latin, the two of us. It was, you know, oh. and I, I said to him, we need to go and look this up, because you, it, this, this man on his tombstone had listed every single thing that he had done. And he was a great, Samuel Johnson, his name was, and he had listed all of his um, things that he had achieved. And they were wonderful, because they they... They have that full trivium, this full rounded. You're not just a doctor. If you're a doctor, you're all kinds of other things as well because you've got such a wonderfully rounded education. Right. I said, you could do that. You could actually um, write out all of the things that you that you can do and put them in Latin, and then it just sounds so much more sort of <laughs> learned. <laughs> but, you know, that's, oh, that's why it, it helps them so much because everywhere we walk in London, we see these big signs above these big buildings that are in Latin. And you can read them. And I look at my children and I go, hmm, so you complained about learning Latin. And it's the base for so many things, you know, so many words, so many languages. Anyway, um, Sabrina, we're coming to the um, end of our first um, little segment here that you and I are talking to together. And I have to go on a short break just for about 90 seconds. So um, don't go far. Sabrina and I'll be back after this. Wonderful.
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Evermore, people have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Victor Frankel, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Similuka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. A live two-hour show Wednesday afternoons starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Levinsky. Wednesday afternoon, starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Sabrina, let's now talk about another passion that we share, which is literature. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I was mentioning in my book excerpt that um, I did everything that I really liked to do, which luckily the children really enjoyed me reading to them. So I got to read for hours and hours and um, to them and writing. You know, they, I'd encourage them to write. And every time I gave them a writing assignment, I did one too. And it was, it was a, you know, I really, really enjoyed doing that. And um, so you um, teach literature to mm-hmm. um, a group of homeschoolers is that correct do you have a co-op is that what it is well it started as a co-op and a number of years ago it just sort of kept growing and growing and it's become what a lot of people call a day school now where we meet Mm -hmm. uh, one day a week for classes and send the kids home with a week's worth of homework okay so um i've watched a couple of your videos about literature and Mm -hmm. obviously you want the student to love the book not be bogged down with lists of vocabulary. You know, Calvert, um, we read Anne of Green Gables with mm-hmm. Calvert. And I love Calvert. I, I have um, one of their representatives is a, is a regular on my show. 
But I'll tell you what, the teacher manual, when we were going through Anne of Green Gables every single day, we were given a segment to read, and there must have been 20 or 30 words on there that we that they expected you to go through. And, and, and I didn't do all, I just did some of them, because it was sometimes a little bit of a stretch for my daughter to be able to read through it. Luckily, somehow it became her absolute favourite book because she just loved the story. She just cut through all of the stuff that she didn't understand and went straight to the story, and the story was was great. But I do so agree with what you say about, you know, there's a good story out there. These books are just wonderful, even if they were written hundreds of years ago. And I think she'll go, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be able to understand the language. It's just going to be too difficult. And it's, you know, I always surprise them when I break out, an, you know, an old, old book. So tell us a little bit about how you teach some of this great, lit- great literature. Well, what I love about books is, like you're saying, it's, it, if it's a story that resonates with people, it's, it's going to be, to some degree, universal, no matter what time, what culture you're living in. And that, to me, is what makes a really great work of literature, is if it resonates with the reader. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned the Globe Theater. I... I focused on Shakespeare in our homeschool lit class a couple of years ago. And what a lot of the kids were extremely intimidated. You know, parents signed them up for this because they wanted their children to have some Shakespeare but were terrified to try it at home. And the kids came in sort of thinking, oh, this is going to be torture. And what we did, the reason that, that Shakespeare is so amazing is because he told stories about characters who were fascinating. Mm-hmm. And if you could get past the language and understand the characters and their relationships and the challenges that they had to overcome, then suddenly there was this point of connection. For, for my teenage students living in you know, the early 21st century, they thought, wow, I, okay, I get that piece of it. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of my, my heart with any book that I'm going to teach is what is the piece of this that, that the readers um, in this class are potentially going to be able to connect with? And so we pick a focus point, not necessarily a theme in the book. We try to address, you know, several of the of the acknowledged themes in, in any classic work. But to find a point that we are going to choose for our own purposes to focus on this time through the book. And my hope is that by not sucking the life out of it and by allowing them to enjoy the experience and to love it, that perhaps later they will come back and read that book again, but with greater maturity and with a new point of focus when they read it a second time or a third time, because that's how I've loved books over the years. It's what you bring of yourself to the reading that allows you to determine what you take away from it. And you mentioned vocabulary. I, it, when I create a literature study guide, I isolate the vocabulary and I pull it out um, as a list and I'll reference the chapter numbers where those words are found, but I have never found with my own children that they want to be looking up the words as they go along. I would rather have them just spend a day doing a bunch of vocabulary and then have a quick reference list because I do think it's very cumbersome to have to keep stopping your relationship with the characters to go and look up the word that you're supposed to define or paraphrase. Well, and don't you find a lot of times if you read on the word that you may not have recognized or understood? The context explains it to you, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's another skill to, to teach the children. Just don't stop Absolutely. there when you come to a word. Go on and see if you can't guess what it means. Right, 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good way of teaching them how to write as well, you know, using words. And, and then they use this word. And then as they're going through their sentence or their paragraph, explain and refer back to the words so that their, their reader can also exactly. do that. So that's a skill on, on construction. So um, Exactly. And, and I find that in some of those older books, there's such a depth of description. Mm-hmm. Because I suppose they, I don't know, the film and television wasn't there anymore. So they had to get it all down on the page. Yeah so that you could really, really imagine what it was that the writer was, was describing and, and, and looking at. Exactly. And I think we are a in time... such a, a visually overwhelming culture now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think that we sort of lost some of that love for descriptive words because of that. And so how do you encourage your young students to write in that way rather than just write their nice little short text-like sentences? Well... First, I guess I try to um, recognize and validate the fact that students have different writing voices and they need to experiment and try their hand at a lot of different types of writing. But the truth is that all of us, even word geeks like myself, who just absolutely love to write, I have a particular voice that is sort of my my native language. And so I try to make it, um, first of all, understood to them that you're going to have a certain style of writing that you just fall into very easily. And that's okay. You don't have to be fantastic at, at all the different approaches. But then if we're going to focus on, for example, descriptive writing, I try to um, put it in a, in a very limited context so that they don't feel like they're having to create a 10-page creative piece that, you know, sounds like Tolkien's descriptions or something, mm-hmm. um, because it's, it's just setting what feels like an unattainable goal. And so instead, we'll start with something very, very small. Um, either something that they're looking at right in front of them right then or a single object or um, something that is precious to them that has memories associated with it or sense or um, uh, taste, things that they can actually experience and then begin with with a very, very small-scale subject. And that seems to be a lot less intimidating. And once they've done that, they're empowered to then try something bigger and to incorporate it into their other writing as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I also find that I'm, I'm guilty of this sometimes too, well, most of the time, I think. Um, I presume that everybody's on the same page as me, and so when I say something, I, I presume they know exactly what I'm saying, and then I realize, oh, well, maybe they don't, and that's what gets me writing more detail because I think maybe you know, young people today might presume that everybody knows what they're talking about. Well, I think you said something about um, you referenced Columbine, and nobody yeah. in your classroom yeah. had an idea of what, and that's really recent. You know, I would right. reference like Churchill and think, <laughs> oh, I wonder how many people even know the name Churchill, let alone try and learn something from what I'm going to try and say about him. But I was, I was shocked. My jaw just dropped because we were talking about the um, the topic of bullying, and I and I mentioned something about well, you know, of course, the shooting at Columbine, and they're all like, what? Mm. And, and I explained to them, and they still didn't know what I was talking about. And so I had to bring in an article and <laughs> show them what had happened. And to me, that was just yesterday. But they're so young that most of them weren't born when it happened, and that's just amazing to me. Yeah. yeah. So really, um, and you, you, this was while you were extolling um, 
guides, literature guides, book guides, so that so that you can help, um, so that the student or the teacher can be helped with, you know, putting the piece of literature into context, exactly, um, historically, and yeah, mm-hmm. and and um, coming up with ideas to pursue if, if they want if they love it so much. And you know, my first thing is. Has this person written anything else? And if they have, can I read all of them? You know, all right. I love that. Right. I, I, I read a book and I, I go, oh, this is their debut novel. Are they ever going to write anything else? Because it was so good. You know? <laughs> and I'd love to find out who that author's favorite authors were and then go yeah. and read their works. I love yeah. to read the person who inspired them to write. That's a good idea. Um, so, talking then about literature and great literature, there's been a lot of modern literature recently that has got children reading. Twilight, Harry mm-hmm. Potter, The Hunger Games. What do you think of those? I think they're wonderful. I know that there's a lot of controversy sometimes among more conservative um, groups, among homeschoolers. And uh, to me, it's really important that our children understand the difference between fiction and real life. Mm-hmm. And so that's been one of the things that I have um, that I have felt like is 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 perhaps a, a little bit confused sometimes, maybe maybe not articulated real well. That you know we we can explain and our kids can really understand that that this is fiction. It's just extremely well written fiction. And um, I have especially enjoyed the Hunger Games um, and and the Harry Potter series. But um, Twilight was fun. It wasn't it wasn't quite as um, for me. It wasn't quite as tremendously well written but i've yeah. enjoyed talking about it with a lot of a lot of kids anyway yeah yeah well okay so my daughter was halfway through the second book of the hunger games and she's 20 she said to me why am i reading about children killing children <sighs> so you know I, I think to myself well yeah what hunger games was it has it had a good moral um at the end of it because obviously right. she she decided that she was not going to do what what the authorities you know said that they exactly. had to do because it was wrong right and she stood up and she stood up for that and um, right. got a lot of support for it so uh yeah i was i was just wondering i know my my son worked for a very strong christian group when he first left college and when he said something about having read harry potter because i read it read all of them out loud to the children uh-huh. they looked at him and they said you read harry potter you know it's really wrong a very strong reaction someplace yes and yeah. he said gosh i just shut up after that and i didn't say anything around these people <laughs> wizards and doing magic is not real <laughs> can't they right. tell the difference between those right. two things well it's so, very funny because i remember when twilight first came out um the, the books um i heard someone say you know it's i've heard people say that it's a that it, it's a story that has a theme of redemption in it but that's just ridiculous because vampires don't have souls <laughs> and i said vampires aren't real so <laughs> this is really not a question of their soul Well, Sabrina, we're going on another break, and Mm -hmm. we'll be back again after these short messages. Terrific. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Fertility is an extremely personal subject. Tune in Monday nights at 9, 8 central, 
for the Fertility Forum with infertility psychotherapist and expert Phyllis Martin on Toginet.com. This is the show about infertility, gaining support, and information. Phyllis will assist you in navigating the disappointments and decisions that often accompany the difficult journey from diagnosis to conception, pregnancy to parenthood. She is passionate about her work and is an expert in the donor egg field, bringing both her personal and professional experience to all she does. Ms. Martin has extensive experience in helping patients cope with infertility, pregnancy loss, adoption, surrogacy, miscarriage, pregnancy termination, and creative family building. She knows what you're going through, and she's here to help. It's the Fertility Forum with your host, Phyllis Martin, Monday nights at 9, 8 Central, on Toginet.com. Want to be challenged in a powerful way to leap beyond what you think is possible? Then join us Mondays for the Leah Jansen Show, every Monday at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on Toginet.com with Leah Jansen. Listen live as life coach Leah uses her coaching skills to give you the tools you need to take action and create momentum. You are encouraged to call in and share your greatest fears, challenges, and obstacles. And then listen as Leah obliterates those barriers to success. For more on Leah and the show, check out her website, leahjansen.com. That's Leah, L-E-A-H, J-A-N-T-Z-E-N.com. Spend one hour with Leah, and you'll be captivated by her energy, enthusiasm, and magnetism. You'll quickly become addicted to her positive attitude and make-it-happen mentality. Ready for a life-changing, mood-altering show? Then get ready for Leah Jansen. And listen live to The Leah Jansen Show every Monday morning at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, I'm back, and Sabrina and I are talking about literature and reading, and I was going to ask you about graphic novels. About what? I'm sorry? Graphic novels. Graphic novels. What yeah, they, the, they're just pictures, right? Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, can they, they can't really be counted as reading, can they? Well, okay. Um, I think that it depends a lot on the, on the reader. I think mm-hmm. that um, they are tremendously accessible to kids who struggle with things like dyslexia, mm-hmm. um, where there is a, a real intimidation factor with lots and lots of words on a page. I would never want to use them exclusively or even primarily on my students' book list, but I think especially for a student where I know that reading is a struggle for them, um, that may provide a safe place to sort of still love storytelling without being overwhelmed, maybe. Well, the one that made a huge impact was Hugo Cabret. Did, have, did you, have you read that one? That and is they made not, a film out of it. That's not something I'm familiar with, Sorry. And they've, they've, they've made this wonderful 3D film out of the book. And it's, the film is just incredible, very visual, very slow, very beautiful, and not really up a lot of people's streets, I don't think, you know, especially not young children who might get a little bit bored. They'd rather go and see Tintin, which I heard was really good. I haven't seen the Tintin. I, yeah, my but, kids saw it. I haven't actually seen it. Yeah, and I grew up with the Tintin books. Would uh-huh. those be counted a little bit like graphic novels, do you think? Um, maybe, I guess. Yeah. yeah, but there is some writing. 
Yeah. But there's lots and lots of pictures. I'd lots say. Of, yeah, just, lots of pictures. Yeah, because my brother was a late reader. I think boys, my brother especially, and my youngest son, just loved to do other things. They really did not have the time to sit down and read, especially uh-huh. if they had a sister and a mother who was willing to read to them. <laughs> so, oh, right. And, yeah, and, my boys were the same way. My boys were later reading and didn't love my My oldest came to love it tremendously when he discovered his writing voice and has become a writer, but um, it took some time. Yeah, yeah. And then listening to it, you see. And I think that's another skill is listening to the books because it wasn't until I I had the children and I was reading to them and then we were getting books on tape to go on journeys. Mm -hmm. Listen, I thought, my goodness, that takes a completely different skill. It does. And it's such a help for... um for reading a level above where you really are, to put on the audio book and, and have the book open in front of you at the same time. And I have a number of kids um, who do the World Lit and Great Christian Writers classes and stuff with me in the homeschool day school who don't feel like they can tackle whatever the book is that I've assigned if they're just going to read it or just going to listen to it. But if they put the two together, they find that it works really well. Yes, that's that's a really good idea, too. Um, keeping, you know, going along because the, the reading is usually at a really good pace. It's not too fast. Yeah. I tend to read really fast and my children are used to the way I read, but um, I listen to some of the books on tape and they're a lot um, you know, slower paced. So. so many books and so few hours in the day. It's not fair. Oh, I know. And you just want to, <laughs> I, I do anyway. I want to read anything I can get my hands on. Oh, and in fact, know. the books here when I go to the library, are completely different because they're all English, very heavy English books. I wonder why, da. But, um, you know, and so that's been different for me because after 20-some-odd years in America, all of a sudden I have these books that are really English spelling, English expressions, English references. And I'm going, oh, this is so great because I understand <laughs> what's going on. You know, I can, I can, I can, the mindset is right there. Um, <laughs> All right, so um, Sabrina, now tell me about your day school, and is it connected to Seven Sisters? Is it all part of the same organization? It's really not, um, except that everyone who's in Seven Sisters it also is a part of the day school, but the day school has really sort of grown up um, organically in our area, and it's been over a decade, and it's just sort of grown and grown. So there are many, many teachers and families involved in our day school who are not a part of Seven Sisters at all. However, the, um, the six of us who are seven sisters, and you can wrestle with the math on that if you would like to, mm-hmm. but the six of us who make up seven sisters um, have taught together in co-ops and in clubs and in our local um, volunteer support network for homeschoolers and such for many, many years, about 20 years. And so seven sisters just grew out of our personal relationships with one another. We do also happen to be a part of the day school, but they're not officially related. Mm-hmm. So um, how did the day school start then? Oh, the day school started accidentally. Um, <laughs> we had families co-oping together, doing some foreign language and doing science labs, things that were a whole lot more fun to do with six or eight kids and a couple of moms than to do by yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, words sort of got around and, and people started saying, wow, what do I have to do to get invited to be in this co-op? And so we found that it was um, outgrowing what could fit into a house, and um, one of the churches in our area allowed us to use space in the fellowship hall and Sunday school classrooms there. And it just has grown. And as other families would come in and say, ooh, we'd like for our kids to be involved in this, the 
original den mothers of the co-op would say to the mom, well, is there something that you would like to teach? Is there something that you're passionate about that you could bring um, to the experience? And it's just grown from there. And we actually now meet two days a week on Mondays and Thursdays all day long. And we have um, a couple of hundred kids who who come through. And some of them take a bunch of classes. Some of them just take their French class or they just take um, a writing uh, class, whatever works for that particular family. So the family is still homeschooling and the educational choices are still the, the individual parents. But the kids have the opportunity to learn in a more social setting if that's a better fit for them. And you say you send home homework for the week. so Exactly. Um, yeah, so if they're taking French, it's not they, they have to actually do homework each day and be prepared Absolutely. for the next week. Yeah. yeah, and the teacher is available then by email or text or phone or whatever. If they get stuck during the week and the parent doesn't speak any French, you know, they have access to, to get the help from the teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just in your local area. You don't do anything with that online. We don't do anything with that online, no. Seven Sisters is is our online presence. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your online presence then. (laughs) Seven Sisters Innovative Homeschool Helps, which is um, at our website, sevensistershomeschool.com, is an Internet community that provides curriculum through um, e-books in our bookstore. And most of it tends to be sort of things that we have been passionate about and have taught in community with homeschoolers in our area as we've been raising our own kids. Mm -hmm. And we sort of realized that we had developed all of this curriculum over the years and had it sitting in file drawers. And now that our children were getting close to graduation, we we thought it was rather sad that there was not an easy way to share it. And so the idea of publishing it in um, an e-book format where you can just download the PDF file Mm -hmm. makes it accessible to people anywhere, whether they happen to be close enough to come to our day school or not. Um, so we have a lot of literature study guides because that's a passion of mine. We have drama resources, another passion of mine, including plays that I've written and, and produced with homeschool groups over the years. And then we have niche curriculum such as uh, human development and intro to psychology, things that are really difficult to find from the traditional homeschool publishers. And some things exist in the secular textbook market, but it's not from a Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. And so it's neat to be able to get your hands on it from a Christian worldview. Yeah. Well, Sabrina, we've come to the end of our time. And I know that my listeners can just, I know I do, just type in Seven Sisters and it, it pops up. And yeah. um, they can subscribe to your website and they can buy um, wonderful um, aids and study guides from your website. And um, find community uh, on the blog. There's there's no cost. We just want homeschoolers to encourage one another. Oh yeah, right. So so you can have so you don't have to be part of Seven Sisters in order to be able to write for that. Exactly. The community. Okay. Well, I've been chatting to Sabrina Justison, part of Seven Sisters Innovative Homeschool Help. As you heard, Sabrina has a vibrant, fun personality, and she communicates beautifully on homeschool topics dear to her heart and has made numerous vlogs. Is that what they're called, vlogs or vlogs? I think we say vlogs. Vlogs, I don't know if that's okay. correct. It was a new it's word. Not a real word. Go, yeah, I had to go back and check that I was right. We can there. say it however we want. <laughs> <laughs> For seven sisters, and she's adding regularly to her video journal, so go check it out. It's fun to be able to see the person who's posting um, the blogs and um, writing the study guides. And um, Sabrina homeschools her children and enjoys theatre and literature as much as I do. And we've had a, such a great conversation, Sabrina. I've really enjoyed myself. And I hope that you will be back as a guest sometime soon. 
Thank you. This has just yeah. been lovely. I appreciate the time with you. Well, you're welcome. You have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. All right. You too, Vivian. Take All care. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, um, that was great. So go on to Seven Sisters and check that out. And I've just got a few minutes, and I have to mention the fact, as I already had a little bit with Sabrina, that uh, my oldest son was here just for a week. It flew by. He went back yesterday, and we escorted him back to the airport all the way to Heathrow early in the morning. And uh, we got to do some exciting stuff. We went to see The Sunshine Boys, a Neil Simon comedy with Danny DeVito, and Richard Griffiths, who played Vernon Dursley in the Harry Potter films. It was a preview, as the run hadn't officially started, and it runs for only 12 weeks. So he saw something exclusive um, to England. We've always made that a guideline on our visits here, not to do or eat anything that we could do or eat in America. Afterwards, we stood outside the stage door behind the Savoy Hotel, and um, hoping that somebody would come out, but nobody did. And um, as I mentioned, we went to the Globe and um, lots of other things, which I'll talk about next week. But anyway, we took him to the airport and we looked up on the screen and found that his plane had been cancelled and his heart dropped. He said, oh, great, I'm stuck here now. But we they managed to get him on a BA flight that left a little bit earlier. So we kind of rushed at the, at the um, whatever, the departure place and just had to quickly say, goodbye to him and um, he arrived home safely so that was good and um, I miss him I miss him so uh, it won't be long before we're home again so uh, I'll stop my chatter now because I have to go I'm going to get back into a routine and I'm going to go see a play at the theatre tonight and watch the weather for a break in the rain my youngest is dancing this weekend at the FA Cup at Wembley Stadium tomorrow Chelsea's playing Liverpool and I'm rooting for Chelsea I don't have Sky TV, so I won't see her live, but I'll find her online somewhere. And I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief. I miss you three in Texas. The hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest, Sabrina Justison, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, Pam, Charlotte, and many others. And don't forget to listen to Ali Lepreet at the other end of today. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Talk.